Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 yes, 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 we do have three Saturday games, as I know a lot of people last week, just from my comments and just from some of the live stream chatter was going, wait, 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 we got Saturday football for a two-game slate? Yeah, and it gets even better now because we get the holiday slate that we deserved on Thanksgiving, that, you know, that three-game Thanksgiving slate all throughout the day that got taken from us, that night game, that beautiful three-game DFS slate for betting for parlays goes into a two-game slate, which is still better than nothing, but not great. We get that given back to us this week in a three-game slate the day after Christmas, after already having Christmas NBA slates, content for that depending on when you're watching this on this channel, the Christmas showdown NFL slate in the afternoon, the late afternoon, perfect timing for that, content for that as well on this channel and Patreon for even more tools, analysis to schmack around your competition. But this Saturday slate is the slate that we deserved on Thanksgiving and hell, we'll take it on a Saturday, right? We'll take it on a nice little three-day weekend of sports in the NFL every single day. Hey, make it four days of Monday Night Football. I'm here to break it all down position by position for you. And the big disclaimer, since it is a holiday week and I will be traveling out middle of the week and I will not have the exact setup I need to make videos. I'm going to try and make some videos over there at home to make sure that you guys are kept up to speed with some stuff that that one do video, things like that. But I will be recording this about a day or two, maybe a day and a half before it actually releases. So I don't have any injury reports, right? The injury reports start to come out Wednesday afternoon. If I'm recording this on Wednesday morning, I don't have those injury reports when you're watching this on Thursday or Friday. So if there's something catastrophic that happens, Kyler Murray ends up having COVID. That would really ruin this video, right? But just know that I'm not going to be touching on it because I don't have that news right now. I will update in the comment section down below if anything major happens with that is doing for me and my interests, but mainly you can follow along over on Patreon. I'll be updating that in real time with projections, rankings, and all that type of stuff. Just link down below. You can check it out. And also on the Sunday Closing Thoughts podcast on Patreon. I am unsure and lean doubtful that I will be live streaming these as I will be at my parents' house with not the greatest of setups, and I do not trust the streaming capabilities there overall. So I'd rather not set everything up and then 10 minutes in have a bunch of laggy connection and things like that. So we'll have to test it out, see if it's actually something logistically okay to do, but probably not leaning to do that. So be sure that you're getting into Patreon for that Sunday morning podcast. But what's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? What we do here, if you're brand new, we smack you around with some information, you know, smack you around. We hope that you win the dollar skis, and that's the goal here. Increase your chances of winning them by going position by position, going deep into the analytics. I have projections, rankings. Ownership is going to be massive on these types of smaller slates to leverage, especially with late swap abilities in there when the first game starts, being able to late swap into those later night games and set your lineups up to have even more upside or even more security, depending on which situation you need to be in for your lineup. So what's up? Hit that like and subscribe. And as I've been saying right now, we are basically a week away from the end of the year and we are right on track for our goal of 35,000 subscribers. So if you could hit that like and subscribe button and the notification bell to let you know when I'm uploading new content going live, like I will be on Monday night football and some NBA slates in the following week, that really does help hit that goal. And today's sponsor and the video sponsor that has been the sponsor for a lot of the NFL season, if not all of it at this point, is Vigit. And Vigit is basically an app. It's a social media for sports bettors. So picture Twitter, except for just sports bettors. You don't have to go on there and just see all this political nonsense that you have to be uh, getting caught up in or whatever accounts that you follow, just talking about random stuff that keeps you on your phone for 17 minutes and then you're done. No, you just want information on sports betting. You just want your interest in that area. Bam, you're going to have Vigit there for you. But they also have an online free sports book, which a couple things about that, if you use the code Sal, totally free to download the app. Use the code Sal, S-A-L. They will give you a thousand free VIG coins to use in there and you can run those up. One of my friends actually did and got a huge Amazon gift card. So you can cash out for real prizes. They also have betting leagues that actually just started. I'm going to go in and create a betting league and you can join my betting league and we're going to be giving away some merch. So these hoodies right here, uh, these are in the store right now down below. Maybe I'll remember to pin something up so you can check that out, the fellas hoodies, but there's also a lot of other concepts and they're going to keep adding depending on what people want to see. So I just take a second to check that out, see if it's anything you're interested in in the merch store, but also we're going to be 
giving away one to a winner of the betting weekly contests for the end of the year for these last couple of weeks. So check that out in the Vigit app. Download it today. Use that code if you want to get some extra free uh, big coins to play in there. Win some Amazon gift cards, but also join my betting league. You can link it all down below and you can find it in the Vigit app. So thank you, Vigit, for being the sponsor of this video. Lots of information on there on just any types of sport, sport that you want to bet on, any type of game, the most obscure sports as well. They have a ton of information on line movement, a ton of stuff that will educate you on what you need to know to bet that specific game or event. Thank you, Vigit, again for sponsoring this video. Let's start off with the quarterback position. And oh my God, we have Kyler Murray on the slate and there's not that many other great quarterbacks. There's some mobile quarterbacks, but not that many other great quarterbacks on the slate. Look, we were on it. We were on it. If you were a patron, if you were just following along last week to maybe the, some of the uh, the live streams, whatever it was, you knew to play Kyler Murray last week. You knew that he was a top two, maybe top three, but definitely top two, in my opinion, quarterback play on the slate. And when it came down to it, if you were just single stacking, right, Mahomes being expensive for double stacks, if you were just single stacking in single entries and three maxes, it should have been the play for you with DeAndre Hopkins. You kept getting this price discount on Kyler Murray from DraftKings and the industry sentiment was low on him, even though everything was trending upwards for Kyler Murray. If you were watching it, we didn't want to be on Kyler Murray in weeks 12 and week 13 when he had a reported shoulder injury. In week 14, he was saying he was feeling a little bit better, and that showed. He averaged seven yards per attempt. He ran for 47 yards. The three weeks before that, he ran for 15, 31, and 15 yards. He averaged 6.4, 5, and 4.4 yards per attempt. The 4.4 is basically the lowest on the season for Kyler. And then we see that glimmer in week 14. And then your man right here sounds watching some Arizona Cardinals beat reporters on these Zoom interviews with Kyler Murray, and it's basically just saying, hey, like he kept hinting for about a 15 in an interview. I feel the best I felt basically since week one. The best I felt since week one. Oh, you, you're feeling the best you felt since week one. And now your price kings on DraftKings for weeks 15. Is it just $7,000 in those weeks since week one, you were scoring 12 and a half plus fantasy points on the ground alone. And then this week he comes out, he gets you some more fantasy points on the ground, scoring a rushing touchdown early. He goes absolutely off for a career high 400 yards in the air, averaging the second highest yards per attempt on the entire slate at 11.3. I mean, look at this stat line, 27 of 36, 75% completion percentage as well for 406 yards. Kyler Murray popped off for the most yardage. He had three touchdowns in the air, one overall on the ground. He absolutely smashed and he's back to Kyler Murray form. And now he's just priced back up to where he was when he was in that form at 7,500. Nothing more expensive. I get it. It was kind of a career game for him. Gets this matchup against San Francisco. That is not that ideal. But again, it's a three game slate. How much ownership is the question? Do we think Kyler Murray draws in this spot will really determine how much I want to get of him? Of course, I want to stack it up. I don't think Richard Sherman is that much of a test or Emmanuel mostly if he's healthy is that much of a test for DeAndre Hopkins. There's not that many other stacking options. You saw that last week, right? Who would you stack it up with? I mean, Chase Edmonds scores a receiving touchdown. Christian Kirk has not been all that involved. And Arnold has a catch or two. Sometimes it goes for a touchdown, right? So it is really just Hopkins to Murray in that regard. And on Sam Fram, it's kind of a question mark who you run it back with, but Brandon Ayuk looks like a stud. We can get into those stacking options and runbacks when we get to the wide receivers. But right now, Kyler Murray is somebody that I definitely want to be playing. Again, he seems to be fully healthy at this point, averaging a 69% completion percentage on the season. And he only increased his nine rushing attempts per game last week, where he came in with 53 yards per game. He averages 0.745 fantasy points per attempt right now. Only Marcus Mariota's very small sample, very, very small sample of that last game is going to be higher. Kyler at $7,500, of course, is expensive, but you should be finding some value, especially since we have a lot of question marks at the running back position and some at the wide receiver and one huge, huge elephant in the room at the tight end position if he's indeed healthy this week at a fair price point. So Kyler is an early yes for me. And honestly, yeah, if I'm building single entry and three max lineups, that's where I want to go around. This is what you have to ask yourself on these types of smaller slates. Okay, what is the upside in fading a Kyler Murray? So let's talk about 
Tom Brady, Tua, some other guys who look at least decent on the slate who are also averaging like less than certain Tom Brady's case. He's the next closest to Kyler, averaging six fantasy points less per game than Kyler. So Tom Brady, yes, there's upside for Tom Brady, right? His team total is the highest on the slate, 31 and a half, although he's a nine point favorite in this one against Detroit. That has a really bad run defense. So you can see something happening there. And the issue with Tom Brady becomes stacking, right? Who do you stack him up with? Yes, Mike Evans has a lot of red zone targets. AB's out there seeing deep targets. Chris Godwin usually vultures some targets as well. You still have Gronk. You still have some of these other guys like Scotty Miller running more routes each of the last two weeks. And Brady is coming off of a solid game where he throws for 390 yards and 8.7 yards per attempt and two touchdowns, right? He gets you the 300 yard bonus. He ends up going for like 25 plus fantasy points. And that's great. Like if he does that on this slate and Kyler doesn't drop 40, it's probably enough for you. But that's the issue, right? He has to be doing that. And he can do it against this Detroit really bad secondary. He averages the most yards per game on the slate at 278 yards per game. The most attempts on the slate at 39 per game. The problem is who do you stack it up with? There's a lot of options. So make sure that your groups when you are stacking, if you're playing a couple of lineups or your availability, if you don't have an optimizer just in your head, knowing that Chris Goblin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, hell, Scotty Miller on a small slate like this, although I don't think it's a great option and like a Millie Maker tournament, if you still play those lotteries, terrible tournaments, but if you still play them, those are types of guys that would be in my groups with a lot of runbacks on Detroit, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, if Kenny Galladay finally plays, if not Marvin Jones is there, right? So Tom Brady is definitely in play. I will have some of him, but this is what you have to ask yourself. Tom Brady just had a great performance last week, a fantastic performance, one of the best performances all year, 390 plus yards for Tom Brady, a couple of touchdowns, right? He played great, 8.7 yards per attempt, and he's basically scoring in the mid 20s in fantasy points. Kyler Murray's bad weeks have been the mid 20s in fantasy points. You have to avoid so much happening. You have to have everything go right for you for Tom Brady, for him to have the passing touchdowns, right? And some things didn't go right last week. Some guys got tackled on the one. Brady could have easily had four passing touchdowns. Fournette had two one yard runs because guys got tackled at the one. I believe Goblin and maybe AB, if I remember correctly. But if Kyler Murray goes for his normal 30 fantasy points in this game that he seems to average just flawlessly when he's healthy on the ground, that's where you have to have everything go right for Brady to even have a chance at that point. And really, you have to be rooting for everything to go wrong for Kyler. Now, Kyler can put up a 24 burger and Brady could put up 25. But again, those are things that you have to root for. You have to have a lot more things go right for you. And you could just be saying, Sal, it's the other way around with Kyler, but it's not because Kyler has a much safer floor and he's shown that because of his rushing upside this year. That's why I like these mobile quarterbacks so much more than the stationary ones. Guys who have a lot of passing volume would be the exclusions to that, right? Justin Herbert, although he's somewhat mobile. Uh, Tom Brady, because he has a lot of passing volume, 39 attempts per game. So those two guys are by far the two best options on the slate. The team totals indicate that. And next up for guys that we can just talk about would be Tua and Marcus Mariota. It seems like Derek Carr needs at least two weeks to kind of rehab this. Might be a little bit longer. So he's going to be done for the season. So we're going to get some more Marcus Mariota who looked really good. Marcus Mariota averaged 8.1 yards per attempt last week when he came in in relief duty, 226 yards on 28 attempts. He averaged a 61% completion percentage. But what we saw to Marcus Mariota on the ground last week, it's hard not to be encouraged. He has a 22.75 team implied total playing from behind against a difficult Miami defense, but the guy goes for 88 yards on the ground, a touchdown. Sure, the defense he was facing has been banged up in really their rushing game. The cornerbacks are getting back with the Chargers last week, and he came in middle of the game, so it's really hard to plan for him. But Mariota at $5,000 flat is going to grade out as a good value because if I project him, let's just say it's very similar to Teddy Bridgewater in the last Saturday slate. If I project him for like 17, 18 fantasy points, that price point is going to make him pop as a very nice value because yes, it lets you fit in whatever you want at wide receiver, albeit there's not that many expensive options. It lets you fit in whatever you want at the running back position, albeit there's not that many expensive options. And tight end, and there's one expensive option, right? So this is the concern here. On that last slate, we had Devonta Adams. We had Stefan Diggs. We had these guys that we wanted to pay out for, right? You had guys like Aaron Jones, all these guys that are expensive. You want to get into your lineups. So playing Teddy Bridgewater makes some sense here with Marcus Mariota. Okay. He scores like 26 fantasy points in that last game. Yeah, if he does that again, then play whoever you want. But if Marcus Mariota goes out there and scores 17, that's pretty good for the price point. But what are you doing with that? Does it allow you to get in all the studs? Because I'm going to be honest with you. There's not that many high price studs. There's no stud running backs on this slate right now. Nobody above $6,600, only a couple of guys above $6,000. There's 
only one guy above $6,700 at the wide receiver position. So it's not that hard to play. Only one guy above 5,000 at the tight end. It's a very cheap salary because that's what happens on these holiday slates when a lot more people are going to be in there because it's a big promotion for DraftKings. They make the slates a little bit softer. I mean, only one quarterback above $7,000. So I do like Mariota this week. You have to see everything last week. I don't think he's going to be that efficient, especially on the ground now that a team gets the game plan for him. And this is a good Miami defense and they only have a 22.75 team implied total. I do think that Mariota will be fine. I think that'll be okay. I think that'll project that as a top value, but keep in mind, what are you doing with that extra money? Do you really need that extra money? I mean, it's still a lot off of Kyler Murray, like $2,500 is the difference between you getting in your final wide receiver spot, somebody like a, a Mike Evans or going all the way down and having to punt with like a Danny Amendola or something like that, right? So that is a decent difference, but you have to ask yourself, is that enough for the Kyler 35 point upside if Marcus Mariota only goes for 17, right? So that's the difference. I don't think there's as much opportunity cost as there was on a previous slate. The opposite side of that game is Tua with a better overall team implied total of 25.25. Tua has looked very good over his last couple of games at this point. He's going to be coming in with the best matchup on the slate in terms of fantasy points to the position so far this year. We got to see Tua run a little bit in that last game, ended up rushing in a touchdown. Overall, in that last game, I mean, Tua wasn't all that impressive. 5.6 yards per attempt, still not getting the high passing volume, right? He had it because he needed to against the Chiefs. He throws for over 300 yards right around that number, but he only goes for 145 yards in this last game. They ran the hell out of the ball. Matt Breed was getting a ton of touches. Salvin Ahmad had over 20 touches, over 100 yards in a touchdown. So they really didn't need Tua, but he only averaged 5.6 yards per attempt. He's been pretty decent from a quarterback real life standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint. You had the nice game against the Chiefs where he has to play from behind, has the two touchdowns over 300 yards on 48 attempts, right? Still only averaged 6.6 yards per attempt. Other than that, though, you're basically hoping for Tua to get you like somewhere around 16 to 18 fantasy points, which at $5,400 is fine. I might lean to Marcus Mariotti there. Both of these guys are fine. They'll look like decent values. I'm sure if I played 150 lineups and when I do, if I crunch my exposures, I'm sure I'll get like 15% of each of them, a lot of Kyler and a decent amount of Brady. My interests are going to be basically in the price points. It's pretty obvious at this point. Kyler by far and away, single entry, three max lineups. I'm going with Kyler. It's hard to pass up on a 35 to 40 point ceiling and he does it so effortlessly. Brady and then I would probably go with Mariota over Tua at this point right now. I just think that you're going to be seeing a little bit more aggressiveness out of Mariota. I mean, the contract that Mariota got from his agent, basically paying him starter money as a backup. And if he ever did start some games for them, he gets even more incentives. Uh, Shout out to that agent. Marcus Mariota did some very good business dealings because he already got paid a ton to be a backup, like record setting amounts. And now he's getting even more since he stepped into a couple of games this year and he did ball out. So maybe gets him another contract. That's a lot of time in the quarterback position because I think it's important to break down. I don't have any interest in Stafford, to be honest with you. He's a nine point underdog with a 22 and a half total. And we'll see who starts between Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, but no interest in either of those guys either. Their team totals are just pretty gross at this point. It's making me very close to not wanting even Mariota at his team total, but his price point and his mobility at least helps him out over the guys like Stafford, Mullins, and Bernard, depending on who starts there. Next, we move over to the running back position. And I mentioned it earlier, there's not a standout stud. A lot of people wanted that to be Josh Jacobs this year. Some injuries, the game flows that he's been in, not so much the case. He's been decent, but not so much the case. He's the most expensive guy at 6,600. But you see a lot of yellow on the screen because we have to wait on some news right now. And there's even more yellow if I scroll down a little bit if you're watching on the YouTube version. And if you are, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, all that stuff really does help out the channel. But Ronald Jones got put on the COVID list. I believe Saturday will be exactly 10 days. I could be wrong on this. So if you're watching this and you're like, yo, Sal, why is he a yes? He can't play. He's on the COVID list. I believe Saturday, I think 10 days is the protocol, the new protocol. I believe Saturday because he went on on a Wednesday. Saturday will be exactly 10 days and he'll be able to actually play. The problem with that is that Ronald Jones wouldn't be practicing that whole time. He'd have to be coming in cold. Would they actually give him that? Is he staying in shape on his own side of things? So again, I don't know if Ronald Jones is going to play. I actually think that it leans questionable to highly questionable. Depending on when you're watching this, he could be already ruled in or already ruled out. If he does play, I have interest as a nine point favorite with a 31 and a half implied team total at this point. And a guy who's been very efficient this year, averaging five 
five yards per carry on the season. And right now he projects out as a top two overall projection point running back for me, a value running back at just $6,000 if Ronald Jones does take the field today. I mean, this is a guy, Ronald Jones right now, who even after missing a game is still number seven in the NFL in yards created, is number nine in the NFL in yards created per touch at this point. He's top 15 in evaded tackles. He's number right now 13 in true yards per carry, which basically puts in a neutral offensive line for you. Top 20 in yards per touch. He's been a good running back this year. And I mean, the game before he ends up getting on the COVID list, he broke his finger, something like that, or messed that up. He had surgery. They said he could still play. And Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch. It was just LaShawn McCoy and Mr. Ronald Jones. So Jones, again, highly questionable because you know, he's on the COVID list. And the day that this game is, just basically from what I'm reading, is like the day that he can technically come off of that COVID report, depending on what his symptoms are, of course, uh, that would be the earliest he can come off. So I do think he's highly questionable. It is a beautiful matchup against Detroit. If indeed he is out, well, Leonard Fournette is $5,500. So as you're watching this right now, it looks like Ronald Jones is a yes for me. This is assuming that Ronald Jones plays. If he doesn't play, his teammate Leonard Fournette will become a yes for me, who had two goal line touchdowns to kind of save his day last week, but continues to just see some work in the passing game. So last week, Leonard Fournette was not good by any means. And he really hasn't looked all that good compared to Ronald Jones this season. 14 attempts for 49 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. Again, he had the two goal line touchdowns, but Fournette was still active in the passing game saw another five targets in that game I mean the target share was all spread out I think it was eight different guys saw at least three targets and three receptions so all the way spread out but he did run 21 routes in a game where they were leading pretty late so that was good to see so he's involved 5,500 if it got chalky I could avoid it that's just kind of cover our bases on depending on what happens with the Toronto Jones news the guy that I really want to talk about is Mr. DeAndre Swift who was our that one dude last week who we got a little bit not sour on but we just couldn't get as much as we wanted to because a lot of other guys opened up Tony Pollard for a cheaper price point right I moved all my chips to Tony Pollard a lot of our chips went to Leonard Fournette and both of those things work out. DeAndre Swift still played very well, ran another 25 routes, caught four or five targets overall. So he picks up another nice little floor of around six fantasy points on the ground. His rushing ability right now, he's by far the full workhorse back in this backfield. DeAndre Swift had 15 carries. Adrian Peterson had six and no carries for on Johnson. No touches, I believe, for on Johnson. And you had the goal line t- touches. You had the red zone touches all going to DeAndre Swift, who had 15 attempts for 45 yards and two tutties. Ended up going for 20 plus fantasy points again. Tough matchup against Tampa Bay's defense, but what you're getting here at $6,400 is the ability in the passing game to pick up a floor of six to 10 plus fantasy points, depending if he gets in the end zone and the leader in fantasy points per touch at 0.961 fantasy points per touch. Again, a tough matchup. He's going to project that as one of the best options on the slate. Now, a guy that I'm a little bit worried about is Josh Jacobs. The matchup for Josh Jacobs is also difficult here. Just a 22.75 team implied total, also an underdog like Swift. The problem for Josh Jacobs is he doesn't have that passing game upside as you get out of DeAndre Swift and he has a terrible offensive line. And now a very big thing that's going to go underrated maybe is the fact that you have a mobile quarterback coming in there that can steal these red zone touchdowns. Just think of all the running backs like Kyler Murray's running backs. They don't get as many red zone touchdowns because Kyler Murray's running in 10 plus touchdowns this season. Cam Newton is running in 10 plus touchdowns this season. None of those Patriots backs score touchdowns at all. So now that's your issue with Josh Jacobs. Now Josh Jacobs has been getting involved in the passing game. Saw five targets two weeks ago. This past week caught all three of his targets for 38 yards, ran 18 routes. That by far led the team, right? Devontae Booker did not run any routes last week. Jalen Richard got hurt, only ran three routes. So that could be a nice little trend that we're seeing here. But we've said this so many times over the last two years. Oh, Josh Jacobs is leading the team in routes run out of running backs and all this stuff. And then it just falls down. So this is my concern is the fact that Josh Jacobs still saw a lot of touches last week, right? But he didn't get anything great out of that. 26 attempts for 76 yards, just 2.9 yards per carry, found the end zone as well. Had a nice game when you piece it all together because of his passing game usage. But the concern here is that this is a much tougher matchup. They're going to be playing from behind with Marcus Mariota where things can go sour. And if they don't, Marcus Mariota can take off with his legs in the red zone. So that's a little bit of a concern here for the most expensive running back on the slate. He'll still project out nicely for 15 to 16 plus fantasy points. But just keep in mind, if the ownership gets anywhere near higher, I'm fine pivoting to Ronald Jones if he's in or Leonard Fournette, if that's what it's going to be. And then DeAndre Swift. It is kind of difficult to touch on the rest of the slate right now because we have guys in really Miami that are going to be potentially coming off the COVID list, like Miles Gaskin. He's eligible to come off the COVID list. The last time that we saw this guy come out of injury, Miles Gaskin took the job right back from Salvin Ahmed. Now, Salvin Ahmed was banged up in one of those weeks. So 
that's going to help a little bit with Miles Gaskin being able to come in and see another 20 opportunities like Miles Gaskin in week 13. After missing the previous five weeks, saw 23 touches, seven red zone opportunities, and 141 yards. He took the job right back. Ahmed was banged up. No. Now Ahmed is coming off of a 20 plus touch week where he was pretty good, scores a touchdown over 100 yards. What does that mean now? Well, I know that I don't want to play Ahmed if indeed Gaskin is coming back, and I would take the risk on playing Gaskin at $5,300. This is a guy that they seem like they like. I do think Ahmed would still be involved, but you're hoping here that Gaskin could just take back over the backfield like he has every single time that he's came back from injury. And basically right now, out of Gaskin, over his last four healthy games, he's seen 21 or more opportunities and 20 or more touches. So Gaskin at $5,300, I would take this in the best matchup on the slate against Vegas against running backs. I would take this as if Gaskin will be the 1A to 1B or just the 1 to 2, Ackman being the 2 there. So as long as Gaskin comes off, I like it. We have some injury news we have to watch in San Francisco with all their running backs. And it's, it's always the case here, right? Raheem Mostar banged up his ankle in the third quarter. Jeff Wilson, I believe, banged up his ankle in the third quarter. So you have to track that injury news. They both look like decent options. Jeff Wilson's $400 less, getting more red zone work, but Raheem Mostar continues to be highly efficient even in his older age. He's also averaging five yards per carry at this point. Both of those guys look decent. I probably just avoid both of them and go to a Kenyon Drake or a Miles Gaskin if they're both healthy. But if they're both out, that's when we have to start to talk about guys like Tevin Coleman, who kind of came in and started to take over there. Jarek McKinnon could be active this week, even though they're kind of not using him at all, which is kind of concerning. But you saw Tevin Coleman see three carries once both of those guys got hurt. It was late in the game, like the fourth quarter, just had three carries for like 11 yards. Before that, Wilson saw 16 touches, got a little bit inflated when most start went out. Mostar was going 14 for 68. Wilson went 16 for 60. He also scored a touchdown. So this is just something we're going to have to monitor with these injuries. If they're both out, yes, Tevin Coleman becomes interesting. If Jarek McKinnon is finally active at just a $4,000 flat price point, both of those San Fran running backs are there. I think McKinnon's the better running back. He offers more in the passing game. He offers more just in terms of a versatility back. Uh, Tevin Coleman's just kind of a straight line runner. So you have to see if they're both active. I would prefer McKinnon if they're both active, uh, but I do think we'll probably get one of Mostar or Wilson. Those guys are pretty tough, but they always get hurt. So that's where I'm at right now. You saw Chase Edmonds last week. I would prefer Chase Edmonds over Kenny and Drake. I think they're both in play, but you saw Chase Edmonds for the first time this year when both guys have been healthy. Chase Edmonds saw the most touches in this backfield. Chase Edmonds was highly involved in the passing game, seeing five targets, catching three for a touchdown, 19 yards on 24 routes run to Kenny and Drake just running 14 rounds last week. But it wasn't just in the passing game. It was also for Chase Edmonds in the backfield and just the running game straight up. Chase Edmonds saw 11 attempts to Kenny and Drake's 10. So it was very close. Edmonds ended up averaging 4.3 yards per attempt to Kenny Drake 2.6. So I would lean to Chase Edmonds here at $4,600. He looks like one of the better value plays in the slate at the running back position. But since none of these guys are all that expensive. I think Swift, Ronald Jones, if he's in, otherwise Fournette, and then probably Miles Gaskin are my favorite options. Edmonds would be a cheaper guy that I would go to over those San Francisco backs. Next up is the wide receiver position. And we have some sneaky studs on this slate, like guys that normally aren't considered studs outside of Hopkins, of course. Nothing to say here about Hopkins, right? Kyler Murray's gotten healthy the last two weeks, and Hopkins has gone over 130 yards in a touchdown in each of those weeks, balled out for 169 yards, had a fantastic touchdown on the left sideline last week. I'm going to continue to get to DeAndre Hopkins because that's just exactly what this guy does. He smashes. There's not much to talk about. He's 8,300. He's expensive, but he's going to be my Kyler stacks, single stacks, probably more so. It's as simple as that. Then after that, you have Brandon Ayuk, and Brandon Ayuk is a motherfucking man. And if you watch these games, Brandon Ayuk is just set up to easily have a fantastic floor for fantasy. Brandon Ayuk has just been dominating right now, right? He's coming off of a 16 target, then a 13 target game. Debo Samuel is probably done. The one thing that can hurt Brandon Ayuk as his price point is now up to $6,700, which is still not that expensive for how well he's been performing, is if George Kittle does return this week. That takes a lot of overall volume away from Brandon Ayuk. If he's only getting eight targets on this usage that he's getting instead of 13, that's going to be tough because the way that they set him up is fantastic. He's in motion on almost every single play, which means he has a running start on any linebacker or cornerback that wants to try and be on him in either man or zone. And he gets just these easy, like one yard completions, right? It's just a one yard completion that he takes for like 15 yards after the catch after that, because he's such a good yak ability monster. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan loves. He's playing normally his role, but now even the Debo Samuel role he's playing as well. This past week, nine catches, 73 yards, a touchdown on 13 targets. His touchdown was one of those little things on the goal line where you just pitch it or direct snap it really to Mr. Brandon Ayuk and he just runs it in for an 
easy touchdown. That's the plays that they're giving this guy. They're letting his talent show. 29 targets over the past two weeks. It's hard not to like Mr. Brandon Ayuk at $6,700. Yeah, I'm not going to probably stack up his team. If George Kittle is in, I hesitate a little bit because we can't project Brandon Ayuk for like 17 fantasy points. It'll probably go down to like 14, which is concerning for the price point. If Devontae Parker is in after missing last week, I will be going to Mr. Devontae Parker because you're starting to see slowly some chemistry come with Devontae Parker and Tua. Now, Devontae getting banged up hurts a little bit there. Devontae in week 14 got banged up. He ended up only seeing two targets. He dropped basically a touchdown. It was a difficult catch, but he dropped it in week 14. Then week 15, he doesn't play. You have no Jakeem Grant playing. You have no Mike, Mike Gusecki playing either. But before that, you were seeing really good performances from Devontae Parker. One of them was with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you saw an 18 fantasy point performance with Tua. You saw a nice eight target game from Tua, and that's a game where Devontae Parker, I believe in week 13, actually got thrown out early in that game. So you could stay even a little bit more. Only played 77% of the snaps instead of his normal 90 to 100% of the snaps. Parker's interesting because his matchup against whoever it will be, Lamarcus Joyner when he's in the slot, whoever Arnett when it's going to be on the outside, whoever it's going to be is going to be fantastic. You have the secondary with Vegas, their, their safeties are banged up, their cornerbacks have stunk now for two years. Parker's in a really good spot. Then you get all these other guys. Every single one of the Tampa guys will be in my player pool because they're all relatively cheap. They're all priced around the same. I'd probably go to Chris Godwin if I had to choose one. You're going to get the touchdown upside out of Mr. Mike Evans. And that is good to see, but the volume and the usage overall, five targets last week wasn't great for Godwin. He hasn't been playing banged up, so just track that finger injury. He had to put some stints in it or something. Ran the most routes. The big game came from Mike Evans, who had some big catches, six catches, 110 yards on seven targets. I still prefer Chris Godwin, who has not been playing well because of his finger. If he's going to be playing banged up, I should probably put him in yellow. If he's going to be playing banged up, then I could probably get over to Mike Evans. You had the big catch for Antonio Brown, seven targets, got him there for uh, 93 yards because he had that big 30 plus yard touchdown. I'll still lean to Chris Godwin here and his matchup in the slot will be the best. Anybody's matchup will be good. Whether Akuda comes back or not against Amani, all these guys are going to have great matchups. That's why it does make Tom Brady a decent stacking option. It's just who does he go to into his spot? It could be none of these guys. It could be Scotty Miller. It could be Fournette out of the backfield. It could be Rob Gronkowski. There's so many guys that they spread the ball around to. I mean, this past week alone, again, eight different guys had three receptions on three targets or more. That's really hard to pick apart who's going to be the options. The obvious ones that get there more times than not will be Goblin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown. So I would rank them right now Goblin, Evans, and Antonio Brown in that order. I think it's like 1A, 1B with Goblin Evans. Marvin Jones, I don't think Kenny Gallaudet is going to come back. Maybe he finally does. Marvin Jones had a big week last week. I'm not going to fall for that though. Marvin Jones is still not getting that much separation. He's going to be a touchdown magnet for you, but now a tougher matchup against Tampa Bay, which is a 22 and a half implied team total. He's going to keep getting targets, maybe eight targets in this game. Tougher matchups. Carlton Davis has struggled at points, but there should be no worry for Carlton Davis as Jones is just more so a taller receiver, not somebody who gets all that much separation. But only have interest in Lynn Bowden, let's just say if Jakeem Grant and Gusecki are out or Gusecki and Devontae Parker, if two of those guys are out, right? Because he's still running a lot of routes. He saw eight targets this past week, put it all together with six catches for 37 yards. A lot of short targets also had a, a rushing attempt, I believe for eight or nine yards. He saw 29 routes, second most on the team, one behind Matt Collins. So he'll still be involved in this offense. But if now if he's going to become instead of the number one or number two option, if Devontae Parker and Gusecki and Grant come back, he's like at best a number three option. I just probably won't go there. And also you take into account that you're probably going to have maybe now Miles Gaskin back as well, which takes away some shorter passes, which takes away those nice little bonus rushing attempts. So he's going to be in play for me right now at 3,900. But once those guys start to get ruled in, I probably won't go there all that much. Christian Kirk right now, not playing well by any means. This past week when he scored six fantasy points was the most that he scored since week 11. He has only scored over seven fantasy points one time since week 10. That is not good. The volume is just not there, right? Four targets, three targets. Sometimes he gets six targets, but he does not have a high catch rate. He can go deep on these guys, but Christian Kirk, I'm actually going to be, you know what? Let's do this. He's very cheap, but I think he's going to be sacrificed to Richard Sherman where he might get goose egged again. So let's put him as a no. Let's put Lim Bowden as a no as well. Just assuming that some of those other guys are going to be in so we can kind of condense what we're doing here. We'll scroll down. Hunter Renfro is dealing with an injury, but if you're looking for cheap options, Hunter Renfro is down there. It sounds kind of gross to say the name, but uh, Mohamed Sanu, he's just running a ton of routes, right? He ran 29 routes on another five targets and he's dirt cheap. He's a flat minimum. Like, 
I don't like Muhammad Sanu. If he was 4K, I wouldn't like him. But the fact that he's a flat minimum running as a top two wide receiver on a team that does pass the ball a lot since they got a new head coach. Assuming Kenny Galladay is out, I'll be getting to some Muhammad Sanu because he's going to see like a 15 to 20% target share. He'll get some red zone usage. He scored on the Thanksgiving slate. Maybe the holiday special is this guy's thing. And then wide receiver really thins out. I mean, you can go to Hunter Renfro, a guy who's been playing a little bit banged up. I believe he got hurt in that last game. So they just have to track his injury. Hunter Renfro in that last game ran just six routes before getting taken out due to injury on Thursday night. So track that. I would prefer Muhammad Sanu because I think there's a little bit more touchdown upside there. As I scroll down, you see a lot of guys in yellow, like Kenny Galladay, Henry Ruggs is on the COVID list. Jakeem Grant should be coming back this week, right? Uh, Larry Fitzgerald potentially uh, got banged up in that game, had to come out. Richie James got banged up. None of these guys really do anything for me. Quinn Cyphers would be another flat minimum guy, but Quinn Cyphers right now is running pretty well behind uh, Muhammad Sanu, which is why we'd rather go there at just $3,000 flat. Cyphers running just 16 routes that last week to Sanu's 29. Basically, Sanu has double the role right now as Cyphers. Maybe one last guy to call out at $4,200 is Kendrick Bourne. I do think if George Kittle returns, that Kendrick Bourne's role won't be that safe. And also, yes, Kendrick Bourne had 86 yards. He ran 31 routes, the second most by far, though, behind. Brandon Ayuk ran 45 routes, just insane. But he played well, but he only had four targets and he caught all of them. And some of them were downfield. So I don't trust CJ Beathard if he's going to start. I don't even trust Nick Mullins to really get him there. Brandon Ayuk is really the only guy in the passing game. Unless George Kittle plays, I'll trust him as well that I trust from San Francisco this week. It's kind of thin at wide receiver this week. I want to go up to DeAndre Hopkins because of the nature of this slate. And then I think you have to choose between one or two of these Tampa guys. Devontae Parker comes back. We get a little bit more options at a very cheap price point of 5,500. Parker is a guy who is a kind of hidden alpha, in my opinion, on this slate at that price point. So we'll close up the slate quickly at tight. And again, if George Kittle plays at $5,000, you might just play 100% George Kittle, no matter who that guy is, right? George Kittle is fantastic, no matter who the quarterback is, that is, whether it's Mullins or Beathard, he's had a lot of success with both of those guys. He's had a lot of success with whoever's out there. Kittle at $5,000 is a mistake by DraftKings. I mean, I don't get it. Unless he's limited, unless they just assume he's automatically not going to play. We'll see. He was not close to playing last week, but they said that he wants to play again this year. But if Kittle is active at $5,000, I mean, I don't know how you don't get just a ton of him. He should be a $6,000 plus tight end. Yes, Darren Waller has been fantastic, but he is dealing with Marcus Mariota, who he had another big game with in the last week, scoring a touchdown as well. Mariota's only passing touchdown, and a lot of Mariota's yards were tied up to Darren Waller, who is now averaging over nine targets per game. You have Kittle averaging when he's healthy over eight targets per game. I would prefer Kittle to Waller if they're both healthy, and I think they're both going to play a full role. After that, you have some other guys that are decent, right? Mike Gusecki, if he returns against Vegas, he's been playing very well, seeing a lot of usage from Tua. Tua is just staring down his tight ends. Just look at Durham Smith being in the winning $2.5 million fantasy football championship lineup last week because he's just getting enough volume there. TJ Hawkinson at 4,600. Look, this is the thing. If Gusecki and Kittle are both in, Hawkinson at 4,600 is a fair price point, but I'll just take George Kittle for $400 more. I'll take a second with the better team total, the better matchup for $200 less. That's where I'll be. If you want to punt tight end because you want to pay up for, let's just say all the running backs who are very cheap at the six Ks, you want to pay up for the stack of Kyler and Hopkins. I do think you can go to these Miami Titans. And we saw in week 14 that Adam Shaheen ran some more routes than Durham Smith when you saw Mike Gusecki get hurt. But then in week 15, it was Durham Smith running one more route than Shaheen and seeing three more targets. He caught five passes on five targets for 40 yards. I don't think that means Smith is now the number one tight end here. They literally split the routes run. Smith ran 16 and Adam Shaheen ran 15. One just ended up seeing a little bit more usage. So at the same price points, you go to either one that you want to here, right? If you're talking about recency bias, you won't be that highly owned. Durham Smith is fine. But again, I will say this and reiterate this. If George Kittle is active, I want to go there. If he's not, a lot of my ownership will be between Mike Gusecki and Darren Waller this week. That's where we're at right now in the three game slate. Best of luck, everybody. I appreciate you tuning in. Check out my Patreon projections, all that type of stuff. Link down below to help you dominate your slates, help you crush the competition and be more informed when you're playing NFL DFS. A lovely Saturday slate. Hope you all had a great holiday or you will have a great holiday depending on when you're watching this like and subscribe before you go check out Vigit, the proud sponsor of this three game slate this special three game slate check them out download their app down below peace out gang and check out some of the other nba content on this channel depending on when you're watching this the showdown slate for christmas all that type of stuff will be out you all rock and i'll see you in the next one